in prayer in just a moment here. But if you'll take your Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter number uh, 11. A very simple, basic lesson tonight, but very needful. Uh, behavior, good and bad. You, I, I thought about this. I heard it on the radio the other day, and I've not heard it since I was a child. When is the last time you heard the word naughty? I'm serious. I mean, used to say, used to say, parents would say to somebody, you've been naughty. And I thought, I heard somebody say that sometime, and I thought, I haven't heard that word in a long time because we don't want to damage the psychic of a young child. Uh, but we're going to talk about that tonight, behavior both good and bad and how God blesses. Father, we come to you tonight. Thank you for a group of people that uh, love your house and are faithful. We have many needs here tonight. We do ask your blessings as Brother Bliss goes up to Denver on Friday. We pray for your guidance, and, and Lord, I pray that you would guide doctors and nurses there who will be doing some testing. May they find out something that's treatable, and we thank you for Brother Miss Bliss's faithfulness. We pray for Sydney, not knowing the cause of the migraines. God, I pray that uh, you would help uh, for them to find answers, and it might be something treatable, and that um, Sydney would just do better. We pray, Father, for Brother Wally as he goes in for tests tomorrow. We ask you, Father, to give him grace and strength. I know there was some apprehension about going in. God, I pray, uh, help him to stay faithful to that. And I pray that doctors would understand what is going on. And it would be refreshing to see them both again on Sunday. And we pray that that would uh, be the case. And, Lord, we know most of our church family probably does not know Wyatt, nor his mother, Holly. Uh, but, Father, they know you as Savior. And yet, Mom has got a condition that needs your help. And, Father, we pray that you would intervene there and give grace and strength where it's needed. And we pray for Brother Miss Patrick's son-in-law, Richard, that as he goes through this uh, procedure again, that it would be beneficial to him. And, Father, we thank you for what you've done. Uh, some even answers to prayer here tonight that we cannot mention, but we just praise your name for them. Thank you that even though the doctor said uh, most certainly that Michelle Roth would need to be two weeks in, in the hospital, uh, that in fact she came home uh, on Sunday. And we praise you for that. Father, strengthen her, please. And, and I would pray that soon we'd see Mike and Michelle back. And I pray that this, what they've gone through, would draw them both closer to you. Lord, help us in the study of your word tonight. Guide me by your spirit. Bind me to thy word. And Father, it is always my prayer if I say something that is just a personal uh, a thought and uh, is not correct according to your word, help it to soon be forgotten. But, Father, those things that find their place in your word, may we remember them and change us for the cause of Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs chapter number 11, the Bible says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. We'll go to that in just a moment. Someone has said this, that our desires control our destiny. If you tell me honestly what your strongest desire are, or desires are, I can tell you where you're going to end up. That's why we ought to, as a child of God, keep our strongest desires towards the Lord. We serve Him with all our heart, soul, and mind. Solomon turns his attention in this chapter and the remaining chapters in Proverbs on behavior and the values of life connected with those desires or behavior. Now, all of us 
have a carnal Adamic nature that will draw us and turn us away from the things of God. And they need to be guarded and they need to be checked. The problem with our society today is we're applauding when young people just go, let those, their desires, no matter how uh, it, it, wicked they are, we applaud them because we have a society that allows them to be and do all that they're wanting to do. I don't know these people. I follow news on the internet sometime and I don't even know who they are, but they made somehow supposed to be famous people. And, and he said this, and I read it and I cringed. He said, the reason my wife and I's marriage is successful is because we have an open marriage. And so I can be with women if I want to. She can be with other men. And I think about this. Marriage, and the Bible says in Hebrews, that the bed is honorable, but let it be undefiled. And can I say this to you? And this is not a class on marriage at all. But can I say this to you? Whenever there's a third party in marriage, that marriage doesn't stand a chance. And I mean this, if it's another man or another woman, or it might be a parent that's got their nose in your marriage and they need to have it out. It might be a, a friend. Uh, it might be some. But what I'm saying is that we look at our society and we think we applaud bad behavior. Solomon describes values to be considered and those that are to be denied. Now, he starts with this, verse 1, a false balance is an abomination of the Lord. What is he talking about? In Solomon's day, most everything uh, was purchased by weights on scales. And so you had a certain amount of weights, and they would put them on one side of a scale. And if you said, I want a shekel of this or uh, I want an omer of this, they'd put... The corresponding, and you would know when you got what you paid for when the scales balanced. I like the story. Now, these, these days are over. How many of you remember, we grew up out in the country, many times mom sent me to the store and said, I want four pounds of bologna. How many of you remember those days? That's when bologna was bologna. It really was. Had the ring around it. You could just something different. It's been many, many moons since I've eaten bologna. But... The lady went to the store, old-fashioned store like that, and she wanted a four-pound chicken. And the man took the only chicken he had out, and he put it on the scale, and he said, Ma'am, I'm sorry, this is the only chicken I have. And he put it on the scale, and it was three pounds. And she said, Well, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I thought you might have more, uh, but I'll go to another store. I, need, I really need a four-pound chicken. And he said, Wait, let me just check in the back. I may have one back there. And so he takes the chicken off the scale and he goes back to the back and he brings the same chicken out and he puts it back on the scale and he holds the scale down with his thumb to where it weighs four pounds. And she, she said, oh, thank you. That is so good. I'll take both of them. <laughs> and let me say this to you. Now, watch this. We all have known in business practices when people have been unscrupulous. I'm sad to say about this. I remember when I was out of Bible college for a very short period of time, we worked with a young man, graduated the same Bible college I went to. He made a goal. By the time I'm 40, I'll be a millionaire. And he made it long before 40. But how he made it, we did renovation, siding and doors and window. And we did it for a company like Sears and, and other places that would 
contract with some people for the renovations to be done on their house, and then they would hire us. So it was our job to go out and measure up the house and tell them how many square of siding, how many square of shingles, what the windows would cost, whatnot. Well, he always did this. He added to every job. He said, I'm going to add four or five square. You see, and then I'm going to build a big barn, and I'm going to store it up. And I can sell a job on my own. Sears will pay for it. I can sell a job on my own, and I won't have to uh, buy any of the materials. Right or wrong? Right or wrong. Now, I'm going to say this to you. He's pastoring today. And God can change our hearts, and God can move. But I'm saying, I, I think about this, and I'm sure, and maybe at some time, uh, and he would do this to us. Uh, sometimes uh, other young men in our church that worked for him, uh, we'd come in. We got paid at the end of a week. and We'd come in. He'd say, hey, guys, I'm sorry. I don't have any money. And you had mouths to feed. And uh, just always think about that. Watch what, they, watch what Solomon says. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Be scrupulous when it comes to matters of business. If you're selling a car and it's a used vehicle, make known everything you know that is wrong with that car. Uh, don't doctor it so you can get it to sell and full well knowing that it's not worth what you're charging. God looks at how we do business with others and blesses or punishes based on how we conduct business. Matter of fact, look at chapter 10 and look at verse 22. The blessing of the Lord. Now, I'm going to say this to you. That in matters of finances, I pray you want God's blessings. I do. But watch it. There's, there's many ways to get rich. Uh, we have to watch this down through the years. And I'm sure Brother Bill or Brother Bliss or some of you men that, I don't know, Brother Ms. Moore and some of you that came from other churches. Have you ever been a part of a church where a pyramid scheme was going on in the church? And, and you think about that and you watch at the early days of our ministry when we finally started to grow just a little bit, we heard about something going on in our church and I called some of the folks in and I, I began to, I said, listen, I want to warn you about this. Don't take a part in it. And the lady that was pushing it came to me and she said, don't be a dictator. And I told her, I'm not a dictator and I can't make anybody do or not do anything. But when you're feeding off the members of this church... One lady lost $10,000, and she didn't have $10,000 to lose. Watch what it says there in verse 22. It says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no what? No sorrow with it. God looks at how we do business. He warns about get-rich-quick schemes, how to get ahead. That is gambling. That is pyramid schemes, get-rich-quick schemes. Be careful with them. Let God bless you because of your faithfulness to Him. And then he also talks about conceded values. Not only commercial values, but conceded values. Look at chapter 11, verse 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. Miriam, who was Moses' oldest sister, she was the one... Moses would quite possibly never have even survived if it wasn't for Miriam. It was Miriam that watched over that little bulrush, uh, uh, bulrush basket that went down the river. It was Miriam that watched and saw that 
that Pharaoh's daughter welcomed that little baby into her home, Miriam took care of her younger brother. But later on, as both Miriam and Aaron watched as Moses married an Ethiopian woman, and they didn't like that. We think that that started with Miriam. Somebody wrote this, uh, but for her brother's marriage, Miriam would have been the most sovereign woman in all of Israel for all of her days. But Moses' marriage was more than Miriam could bear. What Moses and Aaron were to one half of the people, Miriam, the sister of Moses, was to the other half. Miriam was the first wo uh, woman in Israel who had borne the honorable and universal name of mother in Israel. And but for Moses' marriage, Miriam would have shown beside Moses till her eye was not dim nor her natural strength abated. But Moses' marriage, with, uh, marriage made Miriam as weak and evil and wicked and mean as any woman in the camp. Miriam cried in a storm of tears when she saw the Ethiopian woman coming to take her place. Her heart was full of fire as Moses' innocent wife and innocent children and even in her meek and innocent brother, until she herself, wildly jealous, kindled her wild pride, uh, insane and impetuous uh, envy, and then her insane and uh, impatient envy even led her to fatal trespass against Moses and against God. So look at, watch this. I want you to turn to Numbers. We see here, when pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with lowly is wisdom. Look at Numbers uh, chapter 12. Here Miriam and Aaron go together and they're upset with Moses. In chapter 1, the Bible says, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Now, she's, they're speaking to the camp. Can I say this to you? Sometimes in church discipline... How we determine whether it's public or private, handled public or private, it's how it was spawned. If it was spawned publicly, it has to be dealt with publicly. If it was private, it can be dealt with privately. But this is public. They're speaking against a man of God publicly. Verse 3, now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses, unto Aaron and Miriam, come out yet... Uh, ye three under the tabernacle congregation, and there they three came out. This is not a good meeting for Miriam and Aaron. They're getting called into the principal's office. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. And he said, Hear now my words, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, for who is faithful in all mine house? With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even appar apparently and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall be, be behold, he behold. Wherefore they were uh, yet not afraid to speak against my servant, but why were you not yet afraid? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against him, and he departed. And the Lord, then the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became a leprous white as snow, and Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not this sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed. 
when he cometh out of his mother's womb, and Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, uh, Heal her now, O God, I beseech you. And the Lord uh, said unto Moses, If her father had uh, but spit in her face, she, should she not be ashamed seven days? That was the time that the leper uh, had to be away and out of the camp. Let her be shut out of the camp seven days. And after that, let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days. And the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. And after the people removed from Hazaroth and pitched in the wilderness of Haran. Do you think the people of Israel learned a lesson that day? Jealousy and pride. Now go back to Proverbs, if you would please. Miriam's venomous tongue soon affected Aaron before long. Her heart burned with resentment uh, towards Moses and the woman he had married. <clears throat> God brought the situation to a head and he brought them to the tabernacle. We've seen that. There was no, <clears throat> there was no greater shame <clears throat> in Israel than that of leprosy. Uh, leprosy was much like we think of cancer today, but... Uh, Somebody can have cancer today, and we not know it necessarily on the outside. Leprosy, you could see it. It was something visible. No greater shame in Israel than that of leprosy. And so you understand that, how that these conceited values that Aaron and Miriam had got them into trouble. Now back to 11, verse 2, we read that. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowliest wisdom. Now watch this. Now here's some good. The integrity of the upright shall guide them. Rebecca and Vernon Davis were gone back to family in Virginia last week. She told me, she said, we're going to have an opportunity to see the vice president. The vice president, Mike Pence, is one of the most scrupulous men of integrity in our government. And the, war, and the, the media and the liberals despise him and hate him for it. Uh, now watch what it says. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. So we looked at commercial values and conceded values. I want to look at concrete values. I want to give you two different men in scriptures. Help me with a lesson tonight. We're going to first look at a man of integrity, primarily Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph, I believe, is more like Christ in the Old Testament than anybody other than maybe Aaron as the high priest. Tell me something good you know about Joseph. Was he a man of integrity? How did we know that? He didn't yield to temptation with Potiphar's wife, did he? Man of integrity. He didn't hold a grudge against his brothers either when he was sold into slavery or his brothers came when they needed food later on and then even lied. Dad said to forgive us, you know, before he died. Believe that. And again, he understands what's in their heart. Joseph was a man of integrity. I want you to look in the notes here. Joseph was a man guided by conviction and value. Now, let me say something to you. Now, we looked at this in the notes. He decided at a young age what was right and what was wrong, and he decided to live by what was right. What is the difference in convictions and standards? Mo uh, Joseph was a man of deep conviction. Call it integrity. Call it character. Now, let me say this to you. I believe this to be true. Convictions is a Bible-based belief that I will not give on. You with me? 
Give me one of your convictions. Dress. The Bible says about dress, doesn't it? All right, give me a conviction, Miss Bliss. The virgin birth. The virgin birth. It, can we? Is there a verse in the or verses in the Bible that tell us that Mary was virgin, that Christ was virgin born? We can have a conviction. What's a conviction? Okay, we got verse one. Now let's apply it to our daily living. I'm going to talk to the ladies in here. Should it be a conviction with all of our young ladies that you save yourself for marriage? And by the way, can I say this? We always get on the young ladies. Men, should be a conviction with us as well. All right? Now, let me say this to you. So conviction is a Bible-based belief. Now, do you not drink alcohol? Why don't you? Why not just a glass of wine? Or why not just a social drink? All right. Are there verses in the Bible that talk about that? Now, let me show you. Now, watch this. We yield our preferences. In honor, Romans says, what one another? Preferring one another. Now, let me tell you, when my wife and I first got married, I let her know, sweetheart, we are never going to be around alcohol. And for many years, we tried that. We wouldn't go if somebody in church invited us out to eat if the restaurant served alcohol. And let me say this. If that's still your conviction, that you hold that as a conviction in here, man, we'll help you with that. We'll, good for you. And for many years we did that. And then somebody said, uh, preacher, you go to ball games? Ouch. You hope to fly one day? Ouch. So watch this. So we would say this to you. Matter of fact, if you want to try it out, no, we got reservations for Sunday. Uh, next Sunday, if you want to try it out and say, Preacher, we'd like to take you and Mrs. Rogers out to eat. And you choose, I said, Good, where would you like to go? And if you choose a restaurant that serves alcohol, uh, I'll prefer you. Sometimes I've said this we prefer a restaurant that doesn't serve alcohol. However, if that's a restaurant you want to go to, just please don't drink while we're there. Uh, so, watch this conviction is a Bible based belief that we can't give on, right? Now, we talk much about this. So, what are standards? Not a Bible word necessarily. Did Joseph have convictions? How do we know he had convictions? Somebody mentioned. Who mentioned that he didn't fall, Brother Levi, about he didn't fall for Potiphar's wife? Go with me in your mind in, in the book of Genesis where Joseph said this to Potiphar. What was his response to Potiphar's wife when she said, come lie with me? What was her words? How then can I do this great and sin? Sounds like a conviction, doesn't it? Sin against God. So watch us in your notes. Look at this. Joseph was a man guided by conviction and value. This is so vitally important. He decided at a young age what was right. All Joseph had to do once establishing those strong convictions is to stay faithful to them. Society is, trying, is going to try to get you off your convictions. My wife and I do this sometimes, and we're not lifting ourselves up sometimes, but once again with a funeral this week that I'm thankful we went to and, and whatnot, got around some old college friends and that kind of thing, and I just think, are we old fuddy-duds? Because 
when our youth pastors and pastors and we were taught about a manner of living, we bought it. Then you look at, even if we went back to our own school today, we might uh, be looked at as, as kind of Neanderthal-type people. So you look at this. Joseph established that integrity and convictions when he was young. His integrity guided him at every point in his life. When he was sold into slavery, when he was made ruler in Egypt, when he was tempted and taunted falsely by Potiphar's wife. Can I encourage you with this? And this goes with all of our young people. Tayson, this goes to you, and, and this goes to Damien, and this goes to Taven, and, and this goes to even Michael, you listen. Can I say this to you? The time to establish your convictions is when you're young. Time to be victorious over temptation is not when you are being tempted. If you wait to decide whether, now, I don't know what, and some, I, I was taught this, and my preacher did a dirty one on us. Man, he led us to believe, and I went all the way to Bible college down the marriage altar. He said, it's not good for a man to touch a woman. Is that in the Bible? It's in the Bible. So he told us, guys, if you hold a girl's hand, you're breaking Scripture. And certainly if you kiss her. I don't believe that's true. Huh? But watch this. I'm going to tell you why. You better have some standards about courtship. Because the closer you get to the edge, huh? the time to decide to be victorious over temptation is not when you're being tempted. Guys, let me promise you this. I remember this. My wife and I had our first date on Halloween. Scary. <laughs> I didn't tell her then, but I already knew that one day she'd be my bride. I just knew before I ever met her. Now, don't you try that. But I remember on that first date, and I just prayed, Lord, help it to go really, really, really good, and help me not to do something really, really stupid. We always tell young couples this. If you enjoyed the first date, and she'll go out with you again, go with her again. And I remember on that first, oh, it was an awesome, we went on a hayride and, and all the things that we Christians aren't supposed to do on Halloween, we did. And Bob for apples and all those things. And, and then we got back to the college and just before we got, got home, she told me the magical words. I just love them to this day. She said, I want you to know if we continue to date, I've never kissed a young man and I won't till my marriage altar. <laughs> oh, Yay. <laughs> Let me tell you, I don't care how straight, I mean, how, how godly you young men are. You go out on that date, and it's, you, you're alone in a car, and the moon's shining off of her hair, and Chanel number five is coming through. I'm going to say this to you. You are not going to be victorious unless, because there were those times with my wife and I, I mean, when she was, uh, she was either, uh, we were engaged to be married, there were times when it was just Kathy and I, and those convictions came back. That settled. So whatever, and you look at that, you establish those convictions, as did Joseph, 
And then, watch this, we say this, the time to become victorious over temptation is not when you're being tempted, but long before you are tempted, by setting biblical convictions, you will live by. I'm not going to give you my convictions. And parents, can I help you with this? Neither can you give your children your convictions. You can model them. They can see, they're going to pick them up if they see them in you. But however, they've got to establish those convictions themselves. Look at 1 Corinthians. Matter of fact, who can quote 1 Corinthians 10, 13? Can anybody stand right where you are and quote it? There is not, no temptation, say it with me, taking you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. And what is he faithful towards? So somebody said it this way, when temptation sets the house on fire, the door, the God always has a door of escape. The devil made me do it. No, he didn't. No. So look at those values. Now watch it, the opposite of Joseph, a man, and you think about that. Does anybody help me with a lesson tonight? Some of you Bible scholars, do we know how many years Joseph was in prison? Do we know? I don't remember. When the, was it the butler or baker that went back? Huh? One of them. All right. The guy, the dude that went back. No. The, uh, it, was a, it was the butler because the baker had a, on his head and the birds picked it up. All right. So the butler went back. Remember what Joseph told him? When you get before Pharaoh, remember me. Remember, I interpreted your dreams and that they came true. And did, they, did the butler remember? Nope. Did Joseph get mad? When he came up to power, did he look up that butler? He said, in my office, buddy. I just, if you want to be like anybody, you want to be like Joseph. Now, the antithesis to that is Ahithophel. Look in your Bible, 2 Samuel chapter now. <coughs> Remember we said the integrity of the upright shall guide him. Did it do it for Joseph? Yes. But the perverseness of transgressors shall be destroyed. 2 Samuel chapter number 17, Ahithophel was one of David's mighty men. He was the grandson to Bathsheba. Um, David had sweet counsel by Ahithophel, but he was squeamish. Uh, 2 what did I say? 2 Samuel chapter 17. Look there if you would, please. And remember when Absalom tried to take the kingdom from his father. And so Absalom brings in David's counselors and said, I want you to counsel me about what to do. And Ahithophel thought, I'm going to get back at David. And he gave, he gave Absalom some counsel. And Absalom didn't listen to that counsel. And instead... Uh, he brings another of David's counselors in, and, and how did it turn out? Ahithophel was one of the most brilliant minds in David's inner circle. He was the grandfather of Bathsheba and one of David's mighty men, yet he was David's Judas. He gave counsel to Absalom to get back at David. When his counsel was rejected, instead of uh, Absalom listened to Hushai, uh, Ahithophel committed suicide. Look at 2 Samuel 17. And verse 23, and when Ahithophel saw that his counsel was not followed, he saddled his ass and arose and got him home to his house, 
to the city and put his household in order and he hanged himself and he died and was buried in the sepulcher of his father. Now back to Proverbs 11. We could give another and another and another. Is there a man in the Old Testament that has the character and the integrity? May I remind you of this? I love some of the writings that I have read of Dr. Bob Jones Sr. He said this, the door to success swings on the hinges of opposition. Then he said this, God never used or cannot use anybody who didn't first have character. Godliness, integrity. The antithesis of that is in, in Hithophel, verse 3, the integrity of the upright, there's Joseph, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy him. Did it destroy Ahithophel? Yes, because he was not a man of integrity. And David knew that. Look now at the righteous man's goodness. Chapter, four, uh, chapter 11, verse 4. Riches profit not in the day of wrath. My wife sent me, and she's, she's not a, a really newsy person, but she sent me something that was just really good. And, and Brother Andrew, I think maybe you and I saw this someplace. She sent to me Steve Jobs' words on his deathbed. Steve Jobs claimed to be an agnostic or an atheist. I think he was agnostic. Brilliant man, horrible to his workers. Horrible. He was not a scrupulous man. He was a mean man. He was a prideful man. But on his deathbed when he was dying, he looked at his wealth and asked, what is it all for? What has it done for me? Now look at that if you would, verse 4. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked. So we say integrity. Where did Joseph get that integrity? Came from the righteous in his heart. The perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of a man shall deliver him, but transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. There's that word we talked about. When a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of unjust men perisheth. God's wrath against sin and wrongdoing is consistent and constant. Look at Romans 1.18, if you would, please. Uh, Romans 1. Look there, if you would. God tells us, uh, somebody said it this way, because God does not judge immediately the sins of man, don't believe that one day he will not judge. Verse 18 of chapter 1, Romans, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Do you do what I do sometimes? You look at our society. You look at what we're doing, and the wicked seem to be having their day, don't they? And sometimes we think, God, where are you? What is happening? And, and why don't you, the righteous man is being trodden over and the, the wicked man is rising in power. Look at this, if you would, please. All Bible prophecy points to a day and time when God will step into the arena of human affairs and, uh, and pour out his wrath upon the ungodly man. Will that happen? Read Revelation. Vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. There will come a day when it's too late to come to terms with God. True or false? Genesis 6.3 says it, Noah speaking. God speaking to Noah. He said, my spirit shall not always what? Strive with man. 
And God may be touching your heart today and God may be moving you. And you know that when you look at this good man like Joseph and you look at Ahithophel and, and you look at some of the good men versus the bad men and God, God has convicted you about your lifestyle and some things that maybe nobody else knows. And can I say this to you? One day, those sinful deeds will catch up. And the God of love and mercy will become the God of wrath and vengeance. Solomon contrasted the righteous man with the wicked man. A good man makes good decisions and does what is right. And here's some mother I was reading when I was studying about this lesson. Dr. Bob Jones kept coming back. Said, Brother Bill, they used to, used to do this with his lapel. And he'd say, do right, do right, do right. And if the stars fall, do right. He said this too. It's never right to do wrong, to get a chance to do right. Just do right. And you say, preacher, why should I do right when everybody else is doing wrong? Because the God in heaven notices and will bless you. Look at that if you would please. The wicked man is guided by his lusts, his passions, and his ambitions. And where does that lead? If you have an opportunity to turn to James chapter 1... That wicked man is guided by his lust and passions and ambitions. And think about this. The state of California passed in the assembly this week. Added one more state to the list. If you are a state that are not openly affirming of the gay lifestyle, then we are banned. You are banned from doing business in the state and with the state of California. So now this week they added the state of Iowa. Don't tell me that they just want acceptance. It's not just about acceptance. They want us to embrace the gay lifestyle. But I want you to look at this. James 1, where does that lead? Look at verse number 12 through 15. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So how are we tempted? Are verses 13 and 14 connected? Look at the mark of punctuation after 13. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own, what? Lust and desires. The word lust there is strong desire, inordinate desire that we have, that if we don't keep them in bay, we'll be drawn away with those desires. And what happens? Look at the steps that that man takes. He's drawn away. He's tempted. He's drawn away of his own lust and tithe. Somebody said it this way, and we used to do this, lived on the farm. Sorry, ladies, if you're, we trapped. We trapped foxes. Sorry, Luann, foxes and ate our chickens. We trapped skunks. Badgers. Do you know what? There was a, our bus driver, Mr. Gokenhauer, drove the bus, and he had a couple rental properties, and they were kind of old, run down. Sometimes people didn't live there, and he'd stop on that bus on the way home, and he'd bait his trap. And I remember asking him, I said, well, what are you catching? He said, well, I'm baiting over here for badger, and I'm baiting over here for skunk. And I said, well, how do you know what you're going to catch? He said, by whatever I put in the trap. So Satan does the same thing. He takes our lust, our desires, and watch this. 
Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Balaam would be the man in the Old Testament that we think. Remember this? Barak come to him and said, we want you to come and curse the Israelites. What did Balaam do? He was a Babylonian soothsayer is what he was. And he'd go to God and said, can I do it? God said, no, don't want you to go. Okay, I can't go. Won't you come and curse Israel? Okay, let me ask God. He was wanting God to release him, say, go, because he wanted the money. He wanted the prestige. Every time Balaam went and he pronounced a curse, God blessed Israel. He turned the curse around until Balaam did something. And it's the same way our nation falls. It's the same way a church or a pastor falls. It's the same way you and I fall. He finally gave counsel that turned out to be true. Basically what he said, you cannot curse the Israelites or conquer them, but you can corrupt them. And that's what Satan seeks to do in our homes, our marriages, our churches. Now watch this. The gates of hell will not, pre will not prevail the with the church. So Satan knows that, and so he corrupts the church. One of the ways he does it, brings in different Bibles. I'm serious. Brings in different Bibles. Brings in different music. I watch this. I mean that. And all of a sudden, we got church. And the corruption started and coming in. I talked to a lady who I went to the dentist this week, and I pray she's maybe here Sunday. And she said this. She said, she said, what do you do for a living? I got a thing in your mouth and they want to talk to you. What do you do for a living? I'm a pastor. A what? A pastor. Right? So after I get her out of your mouth, she said, what do you do? I'm a pastor. She said, oh, I'm looking. We're looking for, my husband and I are looking for a church. And she said, she said, my neighbor goes to your church. I said, really, what's her name? Ooh, I don't know that lady. <laughs> and come, people get us confused. We're same side of town. We got Rocky in the name, uh, Fellowship of the Rockies. And I said, no, no, no. She said, aren't you right off Northern in the old Kmart? No, 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 that's not us. But she got to talk as she grew up Baptist. Her son went out to San Jose, California as a Baptist preacher, went to Bible College in San Jose. And she said this. She said, you know what? That area, and if you've ever been to San Jose, Brother Skip, I'm not telling the truth here. San Jose is an, a melting pot. It really is. And she said he went out there and, and tried to start this little church, and they struggled, and they found another Baptist church that was kind of struggling, and they combined, and they, really, they still struggled. And they came to the place where they realized the only way we're going to gather a crowd is take Baptists off the name. Now watch this, watch this. He counseled them. What did Balaam do here? He counseled them to intermarry and God would send his judgment. And the plan worked and Balaam collected the wages of death. Look at 2 Peter chapter 2. You're in James, just a, a book or so forward. 2 Peter chapter number 2 and look at verse number 15. Which hath forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam the son of Ozar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. 
Now, back in Proverbs chapter 11, he says this. Now, watch this. Our character, our integrity, our decisions, good or bad. Young people, and we say this, and I know Brother Stephen is discipling downstairs, but when Miss Rogers and I had that opportunity to have the teens, we had 19 teenagers in my office on Sunday. One of the things we want to do as pastor and associate pastor and people in this church is get around these young people and help them to make wise decisions. Their life is going to be different when they get convictions and standards. And by the way, we didn't say this. What is a standard? A standard keeps me in line with my convictions. All right? Look at this, if you would. He counseled them to intermarry, and God sent his judgment. He was slain by invading soldiers. Back one, two more verses in Proverbs 9. We'll close for this, this evening. Proverbs 11. Look at verse number 8 and 9. And hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth. When the wicked perish, there is shouting. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. If we live to honor God by being a person or people of standards and conviction and integrity and morality, we can expect the blessings of God. And if we are a nation and a people or a pastor and a people, to turn our way, I've got a right to do what I want to do, then we will experience God's judgment. Daniel chapter 6, we don't have time to turn there tonight. Let's go through the story of Daniel. King Darius put a decree out, didn't he? Some men wanted to trap Daniel. They watched him pray three times a day, his windows being open, so they had the king to sign a decree. This king signed the decree. Did Daniel keep praying? He didn't start praying. He kept praying. Did he get thrown into the lion's den? Is Proverbs 11 true? That God will deliver him? And the Bible says, uh, maybe this is what happened to me last night. God kept him up all night, didn't he? First thing in the morning when he got up, is this not silly? He goes and he opens up the pit where Daniel was with the lions, and he spoke to Daniel. Did he not? And how glad he was to hear the voice of Daniel responding. Then what did he do after Daniel was brought out of the pit? Those who accused Daniel and set that. What about Esther? What about wicked Haman? What about Mordecai? Mordecai? You see, all throughout the scriptures, God gives us an example. And I mean this, and I think about this. Can we encourage each other? And can we encourage our young people, boys and girls alike? Be a person of integrity. Tell the truth. Do the right thing. Stay away from the wrong people and the wrong thing. Why? Because God judges wickedness and evil. And God blesses. Bible convictions. It pays to live for God both in this life and the one to come. Billy Sunday was right when he said this, if there were no heaven to gain and no hell to shun, in this life I would still choose to be a Christian. Please don't raise your hand when I ask you this. But 
Did any of you wake up this morning with a hangover? <laughs> oh, please don't. <laughs> All right, bow your head, close your eyes. <laughs> huh? I don't mean this. I remember it honestly when I went to Bible college. I asked the Lord. There were 72 people that worked where I worked. And I said, Lord, help me before I graduate to witness to every one of them. I'm not sure I accomplished that, but I was able to witness to many of them, and several of them came to know Christ as Savior. But I remember this. They'd talk about, I mean, they would come, and there was one young man. He ended up getting saved later. His name was Harrison. Got saved later on. And, uh, but, man, every, every Saturday he came to work. We were midnight shift. And, man, if you pounded or you did anything, oh, man, Gordon, don't do that. Don't. Now, what's up with you? And I just got a little buzzed. And I tell I, I don't know what a hangover is. I don't know what a high is or coming down off of a high. You say, preacher, you're missing it. I think Brother Paul Ehart would tell you I haven't missed a thing. Doesn't make me better than anybody. But I'm saying this, and many of you young people that are thinking about going down the same road that some people in our church, God saved them from that road. Maybe you ought to go to them and ask them, how does this work out? How does this look in the end? So we say this, it pays to live for God both in this life and the one to come. Be a person of convictions and values. Associate yourself with others that show your values and your convictions. You and I are going to be like the friends we hang around. One good apple and one bad apple does not equal two good apples. One good apple and one bad apple equals two bad apples. So just get around people that share your convictions. And can I say this too? Those of you who are not currently dating or courting is a better word. When that day and time comes, I don't care. They might even be right here in the church. Court somebody that has your convictions and your values.